I've had the opportunity to travel to some, some really impoverished areas of the world. Some here in North America, and then, then others uh, in the Caribbean and, and in, in Eastern Europe. And in these impoverished places, there's a lot of different factors of, of why there's poverty. We could, we could talk a whole hour about that. But there's one real, real practical observation that I've made in these places. And I was at one of these countries in October, and this became so apparent. It was so obvious, one of the major reasons why there was poverty in this particular country. And, and really, this was echoed in the other countries I've visited and read about. In the middle of the day, as you're driving the roads, the men aren't working. You see the ladies busy uh, hanging up laundry and gathering meals. And in this particular country, uh, these ladies did incredible things. They they carried huge pitchers of water on their heads that I doubt most men in here could do this, not just because of the balance, but because of the strength. And so there there seemed to be this work ethic among the females, but, but not so much among the males. And it brings us to our subject of today because we're going to look at the subject of laziness. And the book of Proverbs talks about laziness quite a bit and in quite a different amount of ways. As you see from the screen, we're looking at some key scriptures out of Proverbs 26, that chapter, and into chapter 27. My hope here is this, is by keying in on a couple of Proverbs on a specific subject, then it will help us understand the value that the Proverbs can play in our life. Because the Proverbs are wise sayings. They're wise sayings and observations that are pretty much universally true. They're true for all men, whether they're Christian or non-Christian. And and these observations are for practical living. And so you, you see these Proverbs and you apply them to your life. And by doing that, it makes you wiser, and it's part of God's plan for your life to, to be wiser and to please him and to do exactly what he says. Now, when you read these Proverbs, sometimes we read them through our filter. You, you go to the scripture, and there's a, there's a great seriousness about the scripture, especially those of you who grew up on the King James Version, where it was thee and thou and shall, shalt and we, we read the scripture and it's just very serious. You kind of want to deepen your voice as you read the scripture. And, and rightfully so, we honor God's word. And it, it's, a, it's a good practice. We, we don't necessarily do that here. Maybe we should to, to stand when, when we read the scripture or the text. But I, I certainly understand why some do that. Because the book is special. The word is special. And so there's, there's a gravity to it. There's a seriousness to it. But one of the things that we miss is that in this particular section of Scripture we're going to look at today, it's, it's a humorous part of Scripture. Uh, the Scripture, or the Proverbs, are using humor to make fun of lazy people and in doing so to open the eyes of the readers or the hearers to say, yeah, I probably shouldn't be that way. And so when those read these sayings that Solomon said, they did so maybe with a smirk or with a smile. And, and as I've read that, I've done the same because this universal truth is, is applicable uh, to uh, someone who, who heard this 6,000 years ago and to your, your teenager yesterday who slept in instead of doing their chores. 
And that's what makes it, it makes it kind of whimsical and yet extremely helpful, extremely beneficial because it's going to give us insight and life. Now, I, I referred to these countries I went to and there's, there's this kind of national laziness that you can look at a particular country and you can look at that country and you can really see according to their GP, GPD and uh, according to their economic realities, you know, that country is just kind of a lazy country. And then that can also kind of apply to all the different subcultures that we have. And it can apply to a family. And there's poverty, there's cycles of poverty that doesn't always have to do with laziness. Because sometimes it's a lack of opportunity, sometimes it's a lack of education. But those, those realities breed laziness and it breeds laziness in people. And so you can see whole families have generations of laziness and they inherit laziness. And then individuals, individuals can be identified as lazy within a family structure. You could have a family with a good name, a hardworking family, but there's a particular person in the family that just doesn't work hard. And it's easy to identify that person as lazy. But despite those realities, despite the national laziness and the cultural laziness and the family laziness and the personal laziness, I I want to establish this reality, that everybody is lazy about something. I don't think there's anyone who is entirely disciplined and every area of their life is completely disciplined and there's nowhere that they slack. There's nowhere where they don't need improvement. And I think humility will cause us to look at some of the points from this scripture and this message. And instead of doing this thing here and do this thing here, say, God, how how can I change? How can I be different? Let me just unfold this a little bit so you know. I've known people who appear to be the most disciplined people you could ever imagine. They keep their car impeccable. They keep their office impeccable. They dress impeccably. They're in great shape. And you can look at all those things as far as cleanliness and physical fitness and think, wow, what a disciplined person. But I've known people like that, that even though they're disciplined in those physical realities with their tongue, they're they're completely undisciplined. I mean, they they cannot control their mouth. They, They can't help but to smart off or to say something inappropriate, or to say it at the wrong time. I've known others who can run hundreds and you know, dozens of miles, it's not using hyperbole here, but do, you know, they could run and run and run and can wake up and run for hours. And they're completely disciplined in the area of cardio aerobics. But when it comes to marriage, and investing in their spouse, they're lazy. Some people are really, really disciplined in their finances and they never spend what they shouldn't, but they're lazy in their eating habits or whatever the case is. So the point is this, is I don't know if you can ever look at someone and say, oh, they're just completely disciplined person. A lot of us want to give that image There was this guy who used to ride a bicycle in Europe before. He used to give this image about being completely disciplined. 
in case he listens to my, my uh, uh, iPod or my iTunes podcast, I don't want to say his name, but um, uh, he, he fooled us all uh, as a, this incredibly disciplined person. But we found out that, that he was really cheating. So that can be a myth. So here, what we need to do is look inside and say, God, whether it's my mouth, my physical activity, my finances, my relationships, I don't want to be lazy about the things that really, really matter to you. So now going to the scripture, these humorous sayings that we're going to start in Proverbs 26, they kind of have this quality of, hey, can you top this? I'm going to, I'm going to poke fun at a lazy person, and now here's the next one, and, and they're going to keep being these, these funny, humorous sayings. So we start in verse 13 of Proverbs 26, and we'll look at two different versions today. The ESV our more traditional translation says it this way. The sluggard, which isn't that a great word? That, that's an English word that we don't use a whole lot, but you're going to use it this week. I mean, I mean that. listen, uh, for those of you who are teenagers, that's a really biblical way to cut someone down. You say, you sluggard? Boy, they'll, they, they'll have to, they won't know what that means. They'll have to go look it up in dictionary.com. Uh, but here it is in ESV. They use the word sluggard, which, which is a, a good, good way to resurrect a word we don't use a whole lot. The sluggard says... There's a line in the road. There's a line in the streets. We'll get back to that later. Now, this is, this is, this is a universal truth for sure. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. The slugger, think about this word pitching, buries his hand in the dish, but it wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. And then lastly, the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes, than seven men who can answer sensibly. Now let's look at this in the New Living Translation, which is a thought-for-thought translation, and it just, uh, the New Living Translation is written as if we were, if we were listening to it today, this is what it would sound like. And it says, the lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in its bed. Lazy people take food in their hand, but don't even lift it to their mouth. Isn't that an interesting word picture there? Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. Well, from these scriptures today, I want to give you three observations that are going to help you. It's going to help you learn how to pray for others too. Here, here are three characteristics of lazy people, according to the scripture we're looking at today. Here's number one, is lazy people make excuses. Lazy people makes or make excuses. So this is, this is where the scripture goes. Let's go down to, back to verse 15. And this was an unusual scripture, but the, the first, or verse 13, I'm sorry, the first scripture that we read. Verse 13, the sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. Now, let's think about lions here for a second. Most of the time, lions don't walk down Main Street or Indian Lake Road. They're either in cages or they're in desert areas or they're in forests or mountain, uh, mountainous areas or forest areas. You just don't see a lion in the street. On top of that... In addition is during the day when most men and women work, 
especially in the context that we're reading here before electricity and there was a, a really defined rhythm when the sun's up, you work. When the sun's down, you're at home. That was, that was the rhythm there. So let, let's, you know, let's not necessarily uh, apply the third shift to the scripture. Let's just uh, apply this anciently here. And so the idea is this, is that during the daytime, when a man is working or a woman is working, the lion is in their den. The lion is in their den and the lion is resting and Lions are, are typically more nocturnal. Surely not in the middle of the day, they're out. So here's this idea. A sluggard, our lazy person, is saying, there's a lion. There's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. I'm sure of it. The NLT says it a little bit differently, but basically the same. In verse 13 of the NLT, it says, the lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. What is the lazy person, what's the slugger doing there? They're just making excuses. And the human mind has incredible potential to think up all types of reasons to be lazy. All types of excuses to be lazy. But most of our excuses are not based off fact. They're based off fear. You know, the thought process here could have been, hey, I think there's a lion out there. And then here in the middle of the day, if, if I go to work when I'm supposed to go to work, if I get out of my house, if I get out of my bed and do what I'm supposed to do, I hear that there is this mysterious lion out there that's going to get me. You know, lazy people always come up with excuses. They're always waiting for tomorrow. They're always waiting for the next day. They're always coming up with a carefully crafted reason why they can't do what they're supposed to do. And it's not based off reality. It's based off of fear. It's based off of paranoia. So what does the, the slothful man really dread? What, what does a lazy man dread? Does he really dread the lion? Does he dread this mysterious lion who's roaming the streets? No. What he dreads is work. What he dreads is responsibility. What he dreads is being at the place that he's supposed to be, be at the time that he's supposed to be. And because of that, he's going to say, hey, I'm sure of it. There's a line in the street. There is no way I can do what I'm supposed to do. Now, we look at verse 14. And verse 14, it's kind of a companion to this. And it, it changes themes. And it says, as a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. And the NLT says, as a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person re- turns over in his bed. Now, listen to every sermon with the filter. Uh, the filter is that sleep is important. Rest is important. We understand this. But there's been this idea that, that, that sleep and rest and inactivity is more important to the lazy person than accomplishment. And so we, we all can relate to that because we've all slept in before and, and we're, we're, we've tossed and we've turned and that can be a, a nice feeling, especially if we've had a period of working hard for a few days and we sleep a little bit later and we kind of roll in the bed. We're not completely up. So that word picture certainly applies here. But if you think about the word hinges here, uh, hinges are locked in to the door frame. Hinges are bolted in to the door frame. And so here it is that this scripture is saying the lazy person is bolted in to his bed. 
The lazy person is attached to his bed. The lazy person is attached to his rest. The lazy person is, is really selfish because they care more about their momentary comfort than they do about their responsibility. And so they're gonna come up with excuse after excuse after excuse. See, personal responsibility is the doorway for you to be everything God wants you to be. And so it is that when you stop blaming others and you start, you stop looking to other people and other reasons why you can't accomplish something, then that's the first step in you being everything God wants you to be and doing what he wants you to be. So it is no excuses, no excuses. So the question I have for you today is what carefully crafted, sophisticated excuse have you come up with? I mean, some of you have some good excuses and you've convinced others and you've convinced all around you and you think you've convinced yourself that you have a reason not to take on the responsibility that's yours. But in your heart, you know that's just an excuse. You know there's not a lion out there. You know that it's not God's will for you to be bolted to your bed. And go back and forth, back and forth, wasting time. There's, there's even that, that word picture of back and forth, like time is just ticking away, wasting more and more time. No excuses, no excuses. I would love for you today to put down your excuses. Put down your excuses. Listen, students, if you're a C student, let's be a B student. Hey, if you've never reached your quota on sales, and there's all types of reasons why you haven't, let's do it next month. Let, let, let's get it done, people. Let's, let's go ahead and clean that one corner of the room you haven't got to yet. Yeah, I have that corner in my room and in my rooms too. There's a garage that I have that I clean and then mysteriously, the devil himself, Diabolus himself, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, multiplies stuff in the garage and it just kind of grows. There, there, there is something that you can do. There's an excuse you can lay down. And those are all physical things. But what about things that really matter? Hey, dating your spouse. Come on, let's, let's lay down the excuses. Spending quality time with your kids. Let's lay down the excuses. Hey, something that we struggle with in our house. And I know as pastors, we're supposed to be the best at that, but family devotions. And we have family devotions, but wow, our life gets complicated. And, and so we've got to kind of fight for it together. We do. And Abby's smiling. She's going to help me with that this week. We've we, we got to lay down the excuses. This is a busy, busy week this week. But, but let's try it at least once a week. Because I encourage families, hey, once a week. Some of you are a lot better than me. You're like, hey, I got it every day, man. So good. That's the area you're good at, okay? I'm probably better at something other than you. But uh, none of us are perfect in these. But we can lay down excuses and say, hey, we're going for it. We're going for it. Let's look at the next proverb, the next proverb in these series. Verse 15, this is a fun one. The sluggard buries his hands in the dish and wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The NLT says it this, lazy people take food in their hands, but don't even lift it to their mouth. Here's what lazy people, the characteristics of them. A lazy person gives no effort, gives no effort. Gives no effort when opportunity's right in his hand. 
Isn't that amazing? I mean, you know, we live under grace. We live under lots of grace, people. And, and here it is that God has placed in our hand great opportunity. I'll, I'll be frank with you. This, this church is a great opportunity for you. This church is a great opportunity for you. Especially for those of you who this is your home and, and, and you've got something in your hand. Bring it to your mouth. It's not enough just to be in your hand. Bring it to your mouth. There's no greater marriage than the marriage that's in your hand right now. Your kids are the best kids possible because God has put them in your hand. Your job, listen, I know that jobs aren't perfect. And I know that maybe God's stirring you and God has something different. But sometimes we don't have the job, but we've got the job to get the job. We've got to trust that God's working and you've got a job. You've got something in your hand. Bring it to your mouth. See, a la- the lazy person makes no effort. You know, why would God give you a new vehicle if you never even clean out the one vehicle you have right now? Or get the old changed? Or, pre- or, or prepared it? Prepare it. Why, why would God expand your home when you speak disparagingly about the home you have right now and, and you don't make any effort to make it better. So here it is, something's in your hand. And I think one of the things God wants you to understand today is take what's in your hand and bring it to your mouth. Make an effort. Make an effort to make everything you touch better. Everything you do is better. Every task God puts before your hand, do it with all your heart. Do it with everything within you. And because it makes you the type of person God wants you to be. It pushes back, it pushes back against laziness. Pushes back against slothfulness. And God, whatever he's assigned you, whatever he's gifted to you, you do the best with what he has given you. Let's go to Proverbs twenty-six sixteen. This is an interesting saying. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Now, the NLT says it this way. Lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. This is the last observation I want to make here. There's a lot, a lot of ways we could go in this scripture, but a lazy person blames others. He blames others. It's, it's not my fault that I didn't reach our objective. It's not my fault that I got this grade. I, I would have made the team or squad if it wasn't for the coach. I, I, would, have, I would have accomplished the task if they would have given me a reasonable timeline. And so it is that this idea of blaming others is most of the time, there there are exceptions, even as I'm giving you those rules, I understand there are some things we cannot control. But the majority of the time, the majority of the time, a lazy person is always blaming other people. Now the number seven here doesn't mean anything significant as far as you counting up, okay, to have seven people in my life, it's, it's, it's just a number of completeness. And a lazy person doesn't take advice from anybody. A lazy person doesn't go through the, the intellectual process 
of getting the information that's important to make a great decision. A lazy person never does research. And before you think research is something complicated at the library, the greatest research you'll ever do is asking questions. Because a wise person learns from someone else. A wise person asks questions. Uh, Why do you do this? What did you do when you were my age? How did you make your marriage better? How how did you get that that particular customer? How did you lose that weight? How, how How did you prepare... When you, had, when you had kids at your home, what system did you use to, to prepare good meals for, for your family? How in the world did you get your, your, your uh, master's degree when you were in your 30s or 40s? Tell me, give me some information. Let me take you out to coffee. Let me ask you some questions. A wise person figures it out, figures out that God has placed people around them to give them wisdom. He listens to counselors. He doesn't just... Listen to counselors. He or she gathers counselors around them. But a lazy person doesn't want to do that work. Lazy person thinks, hey, this is a good idea. I'm just going to figure it out. You know why? Because I'm smart. I I know what to do. I I can figure this out because I am me. And no one's been like me. And I'm special. You know, we've been hearing that since we're little kids. You are special. And because you're special, you're going to make the right decision. And you're, you're smarter than all the wise counselors around you. You're smarter than all those guys or girls. You don't need anybody to give you input. See, that is just lazy. It means you're not doing the hard work. You're not doing the research. I know not all of you are readers. I understand that. But when's the last time you've read a current journal for your trade or a current book or listened to, listened to an MP3 or try, tried to hear of a way to get better? When's the last time you bought somebody's lunch and asked them, how can I be better? You're further along than me in this particular business. Or you're further along in fatherhood than me. Can I ask you some questions? Can you help me get wiser? You see, we, we, we live under this myth all the time that, that because we're so awesome and we're so great and we're so special that someone's gonna come up to us and say, can I mentor you? Can I take you under my wing? Can I make you great? And mentorship doesn't happen. Every mentor in my life, I've pursued. I spend my money to get around my mentors, to get around people that can make me stronger and better. And and most of the mentors in my life, if I quit calling them, if I quit pursuing them, I probably wouldn't be talking to them today. Because you have to to decide, hey, I want to get better. A, a, A lazy person thinks they're smarter than anybody else. Thinks they don't need input in their life. A, lazy, a, a, a slothful person thinks that I can figure this thing out. They flatter themselves and they consider those around them, those around them not to have the unique wisdom that God has for them. So I another proverb that I want us to look at is Proverbs 3, 7. It says it this way. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. See, in the ESV, let's go back to Proverbs 26, 16. This is, this is Proverbs 26, 16 in the ESV. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. I got it figured it out. I know what's up. I've got the deal. And then Proverbs, again, Proverbs chapter three, verse five, says this, be not, three, seven, excuse me. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord 
and turn away from evil. I mean, don't be arrogant. Don't, don't be so opinionated and think so highly of yourself that, that, that you reject counsel and you don't realize what God has for you. This type of person is the type of person that thinks they're an expert on every subject, even subjects that they have no experience in. Have you been around someone like that? Don't look, don't look anywhere. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't point. But that guy and girl who just thinks they're an expert at anything. And I just want to say this, just because you're articulate doesn't mean you're smart. Just because you can talk quick on your feet and you can use words and you can expand your vocabulary doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. And a lazy person will just use, use the rhetoric and just spew stuff out and not even make any sense at all. Why? Because they think they're wiser than seven counselors. And they think that they know what they're talking about. Wisdom, wisdom looks beyond that. So here's, here's a couple questions that I want you to ask yourself this week. And, and I really want you to ask the Holy Spirit too. What's an area in my life? Here's question number one. What's an area in my life am I being lazy in? Now I know, you know, the majority of us look at fitness all, all of a sudden, our nutrition, and, and those are important things. And maybe that's what the Spirit is moving you on. I, but, but before we go to that kind of default, because, because we're physical people, and that, that's kind of our default to think, oh, physically, physically, that's my issue. Well, it very well could be. I'm not, I, I don't want to diminish that or belittle that, but, but I want you to look beyond that to look at some things you can't see too. What are you being lazy about? Is it relationally? As parents, we get lazy sometimes. And instead of getting up and addressing an issue with our children, sometimes we just want to just keep sitting on the couch and just let them get away with a wrong attitude or a wrong, a wrong practice. Is it a parenting thing? Is it a relational thing? Is it a professional laziness? Something that I heard John Harbaugh say, actually, excuse me, Steve Biscotti, the owner of the Ravens, which I, that does not mean I endorse that wretched, wicked football team, but, but I, I am impressed with John Harbaugh and Biscotti, the owner. Biscotti said that the first day that John Harbaugh came and interviewed for the job, he, he was the, the combination of humility and confidence, which a great leader has. And he told him, he said, he said, treat each day like it's the first day on the job and it's the last day with your family. Isn't that a great, great little saying? I put that on Twitter a couple weeks ago. And so it is that this idea of professionally, professionally, let's not let our enthusiasm and our skill and our passion for our job diminish because we're getting lazy. But instead, come on, let's, let's give it our best as unto the Lord and who knows what God can do. I mean, if God could take Joseph from the prison to the palace with one decision, why can't he do something great with your professional life? He can. Just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So back to my question is, what's one area, what's one area that that you've been lazy about, or you're getting lazy, our values are drifting. Think about that. Then here's a second question. 
What's one thing you can do about it? One step you can do about it. Don't overwhelm you with a hundred steps, but one step. What's one thing you can do this week to, to battle against the drift of laziness? What's one thing you can do in your home? What's one thing you can do in your job? And while I'm on the subject, hey, guys, listen, we need all of you. We're a body. We're a family. We're a community. And think about when your service was here at the church was highest and best and your enthusiasm was the best. I want you to be balanced. I want you to have healthy families, but I want you to give your best to this church also. And let's not let values drift. Maybe God redefines your ministry but he doesn't redefine your passion and your intensity. So what's one area you're lazy about? What's one way you can get better? Let's, let's pray about that. So God, we submit this to you. And I thank you for the richness of your scripture. I remember when I would read Proverbs 26, I would kind of read it fast and not really dig deeper and Lord, you, you kind of caused us to look at these four verses or five verses today, and, and there's a lot of truth to it. So thank you, Spirit. Thank you for digging out deep. So, Lord, we're not overwhelmed with the challenge of discipline as, as, if, as if human effort ever attained righteousness. But, Lord, we're aware that left to our own, laziness will creep in. And values will drift. So right now, ask him where that area is. I implore you, those of you who are married, invest in your marriage. For those of you with kids, the time is short. The time is short with your kids. The time is short with your kids. I mean, whether they're five years old or 15, you can number the years of influence you have with them. Don't get lazy with your kids. Keep asking questions. Keep setting appropriate rules. Keep investing time with them. Keep loving them. These are the days that we'll talk about when we're old. These are it. Give our best. No excuses, no blame to others, no lack of effort, all in, all in for what the Lord says. So Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for helping us. We thank you for helping us. Bless your name, Jesus. I've been to New York City a few times and It's a city that I love. I love being there. I love being in Manhattan. Beautiful architecture. And one of of the downtown churches, I can't remember which one it was today. I tried to find it this morning, early this morning on Google. I couldn't find it. But it was one of the Presbyterian churches. And out on the steps, homeless gather and people will go give the homeless food. And it's this majestic building. And like the great buildings... There's etched in stone, valuable sayings. And etched in stone outside of this beautiful church, I can see it in my mind right now, is a scripture and a saying that Jesus said in John chapter 9. 
And he said, night cometh when no man can work. John 9, 35. I want you to look at that screen. John 9, 4, excuse me. This is the words of Jesus. You can look on the screen now. I know I told you to pray, but it says it this way. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. Night cometh when no man can work, the King James said. So let this teaching today and let this scripture today remind you no excuses no blame no lack of effort but enjoy and enjoy and in the leadership of spirit work and invest in the things that matter in your life don't be lazy don't be slothful night cometh when no man can work spend time with God and spend time with the significant people in your life you won't regret it you won't regret it time with God and time with the people who matter So I pray this blessing on you before we go to the next part of service. God, I pray that you would bless us, God, with work that pleases you, work that is led by you. And Lord, with joy, we put our hands to the plow and we don't look back. We, 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 we go forward in you, Jesus. We don't look back because, Jesus, you didn't look back. Daily, we take up our cross and we follow you. Help us, O oh Lord, not to be slothful, not to be lazy, but to work while it's still day before night comes. And we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And if you agree, would you say amen? Amen. I'm going to ask our ushers to begin to position themselves because we're going to take corporate communion today. The Lord has taught us through his word. Hope you feel stronger. Hope you feel wiser because that's what the word does. You're equipped. The word is like a sword. It pierces into attitudes. It, it, it divides the good stuff and the bad stuff, right and wrong, light and dark. So it's a good thing. And now here in a moment, we're going to take communion. And we do this. Every week you have the opportunity to take communion. But this is a special Sunday. The second Sunday of the month is typically when we take it as a body. And it reminds us of so many things. We're part of something bigger than the church at Indian Lake. We're started, part of something bigger than this building. We're part of a church that has existed for the last 2,000 years. And the one thing that we have in common with believers all over the world and believers who have lived these last 2,000 years is we come and we take the bread and we take the cup and Jesus is our everything. He's our everything. So you'll have the chance today to make Jesus your everything. Now, you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion. We have open communion, so every single one of you can take that. You don't have to. If you want to let it pass, let it pass, but I hope you do. And I want you to consider taking it because in a moment, I want you to take the bread and take the cup and don't, don't eat or drink yet. I'll come back in a few minutes. And this is what's going to happen is every single one of us is going to get right with God before we take communion. See, we're made right with God, not by human effort, but by the grace of the Lord. See, hey, listen, I know that probably over this weekend, maybe, maybe you did something, said something, thought something that would not please the Lord. And the enemy, the accuser, Satan himself wants to come to you and say, you can't take communion. You're not good enough. Well, you never were good enough in the first place. And so you're not going to be good enough, but he's going to make you holy. He's going to make you holy. So. So hold the communion and then I'm going to come back 
and, and we're going to pray together. And then in victory, we'll take the bread and cup in unison and Jesus will be glorified. And Beth is going to minister a gorgeous song that she taught us Wednesday night. And, and what I'm going to pray that as you reflect on this song or sing it with her, that the love of the Lord is just going to flow over you. I mean, I want you to feel the love of the Lord. Just accept it and receive it. Let's pray together. God, what a special time. Your table is special because you are unique and good. So Lord, prepare our hearts. Let us realize how much you love us as we take the bread and the